just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It's been really rainy and kind of cold here. I know at some point they're going to ask me to go pick up the boat from storage, and I don't want to drive it across the lake when it's rainy and fucking 40 degrees. That is not pleasant. Trust me, I've done it. Now, before we get down to getting, I wanted to talk about something more localized, more around Minnesota. I know this doesn't affect most of you, but it's interesting nonetheless. We have a governor in this state, Governor Walls. He's a Democrat. He's a former teacher. He seems like a decent guy. He took us through COVID, and we did pretty well with COVID uh, cases and deaths. And now as we're ending the fiscal year, we have a uh, billion dollars in the black in our government coffers. And he's talking about sending people $1,000 to pay back the money. Now, I don't know what a motherfucker has to do more than that. He did a good job. But, of course, the trump the Republicans, do not like this guy. Now, I know for those of you that don't live in Minnesota, that doesn't really make a difference. And this won't either, but I felt compelled to talk about it because it pissed me off a lot. I was watching on TikTok, and a face I knew, a name I knew, came up. His name is Matt Burke. Matt Burke was a center for the Minnesota Vikings. He was a good one. I think he was all pro. He may be a Hall of Famer at some point. But he was on the screen. I thought, oh, this is interesting, a former Viking. Let's see what he has to say. And then he starts spewing the fact that he's running for lieutenant governor as a Republican. And the governor prospect that he's running with is Dr. Scott Jensen. So I thought, well, this is weird. I'm going to listen to this. And as I'm listening to Matt Burke, who's a guy that's pretty well thought of in this town or in this state, he starts talking about all the Republican um, bullshit that we hear from Republican candidates. And then he has the audacity to say, and we're going to get CRT out of the schools in the state of Minnesota which I find fucking ironic since I had a wife that taught in the Minneapolis public schools for 30 years. She's never seen and never will see any kind of CRT education, critical race theory education in our schools. And that pissed me off because here's a guy that went to fucking Harvard. He played pro football. He's well thought of, and he has the audacity to spew this bullshit. It's, I mean, it's a fucking lie. Then I looked into the governor he's running with, the governor candidate, that is, Dr. Scott Jensen. Now, he's a standard doctor, but apparently he got into some trouble over the past couple of years for putting out information that was dangerous when it came to COVID. So we got a fucking COVID denier. We got Matt Burke, who's talking about critical race theory in our schools that doesn't fucking exist. And frankly, it pisses me off. I like this guy when he played with the Vikings, but no more. The moment he said CRT in that little fucking TikTok, I said, I fucking hate you, and I will do everything I can to make sure you don't win. I don't think they have a chance of winning. This is more a Democratic state, but still, I don't want to fucking hear that shit. And just because you were a football player and have a little bit of money doesn't mean you should be in any level of government, let alone a fucking lieutenant governor. I looked at how many uh, followers Matt Burke and Dr. Scott Jensen had, and it was like three or 4,000. And granted, it'll get bigger, but I got a lot more than they do. And uh, as we get closer to the election, I think I'm going to fuck them up a little bit and uh, call them out. Maybe I can get them for an interview. That would be fun. No, they'll never fucking do that. Anyway, we have some emails. We have three emails today, and if you want to send an email, you can do that by sending it to rationalboomer at at, uh, gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm and find Rational Boomer Podcast and leave a voicemail message. And I have another idea. You'll be hearing about it in the second email. 
So the first one comes from Scott. He says, good afternoon, Mike. All the rage on Twitter right now is the debate on censorship and content moderation. Well, I won't plague you with the speculation on Musk's endeavors. I did want to gather your thoughts, if any, on the topic of online censorship. I find myself stuck on a fence between promoting the speech of all Americans while limiting harmful, violent speech, as well as complete bullshit manufactured by the Republican Party. Musk has stated he wants to follow the principles of free speech according to the Constitution for American Twitter users, but Musk is not the Supreme Court, so who is he to judge what is protected speech and what isn't? I'm already speaking about Musk far too much than far too much more than I'd like, so I'll leave it in your hands. Looking forward to your rational take as always, Scott. And you make a good point. What is free speech? Now, I don't know if I'm the guy to tell you what free speech is. But I do know this. We all have free speech, right? But we have to be accountable and responsible for those things we say. Just because we have free speech doesn't mean there might not be some consequences about the things we say. Let's say, for example, the old, uh, the old uh, idea of... You can say whatever you want, but don't scream fire in a crowded theater. I haven't been in a crowded theater lately. I've been to the movies, but they're never fucking crowded, the ones I've gone to. But that's beside the point. And that is a limitation. You can't go out there and incite possible injuries or danger or violence or those sorts of things. Now, if what Elon Musk is saying, um, that if he's saying they're going to be able to say anything they want, whether it's true or not, or whether it's uh, incendiary or not, and he's just going to let it because that's what the Constitution says we can say. Well, I don't know what his legal uh, responsibilities are on this thing. I have to think that there's uh, a lot of shit going on. Uh, an incitement of violence and that sort of thing, he's either going to have to take it down or he's going to suffer some consequences for being the flagship for all this violent rhetoric. But here's what I really honestly think. It's what the Republicans always say. Let the free market handle it. And I think the free market will handle it. My thought is if uh, Elon Musk gets on there and tries to do what everybody's worried he's going to do, You're just going to have another fucking parlor. You're going to have another true social like uh, Donald Trump, and it's going to fail miserably. He's going to take a perfectly profitable app and turn it into shit. Because the fact is that most people who are on there, if they start seeing this stuff, they're just going to say, I can't do this anymore. And as I've told you before, every app has a shelf life. They don't last forever because something bigger, better, and smoother comes out. And something better than Twitter will come out. Maybe it already has. Maybe TikTok ultimately is better than Twitter. I don't know. It's a much different thing. But I think there will be some legal ramifications if he has all these fucking trump fucks out there causing all kinds of problems. And, uh, you know, if they're, if they're sending information about uh, Russia or those sorts of things, even though you have free speech, it can still be treason. So... I'm not too worried about what Musk will do, only that Musk may end up destroying it, or he's just going to try to game the system some way and do it quickly. But the important thing you have to remember is that isn't a done deal yet, and we'll talk more about that later. He hasn't taken control of Twitter as yet. A lot of people think, oh, as soon as we heard it on the the news, uh, Musk took over. No, that's not the case. He hasn't taken it over yet, and he's got some hurdles to jump over. Even though the board has accepted it, well, his money situation changed dramatically when Tesla fell through the floor. So we'll see what happens. All right, the next one is from Dave. He says, Mike, I absolutely love your podcast. Thank you very much. I found you on TikTok a few months ago and have enjoyed listening to your podcast the last month or so. I live in southern Minnesota, which is my state, but often get to the metro area to visit family. 
I would love to get together for coffee. I might be a good person to chat with as I have voted Republican since Bill Clinton, but did not vote Republican this last round of uh, uh, for obvious reasons. Look forward to hearing from you, or at least getting to listen to your show. Dave. Now, some people will say, I don't want to meet the audience. I don't fucking care. If Dave's in town and we can connect up, I'll sit down and talk to him. I'll even interview him, for that matter. Put him on the show. And that got me thinking about something. You know, Now that I'm doing these shows with Ed and I figured out how to get another voice on the podcast, I wouldn't be opposed to talking to any of you if you felt comfortable in doing so. I mean, all I really do with Ed is we use Zoom. I send him a link. He comes to the link. He has a mic on the other end. And we talk and do the show. That's really all it is. So if Ed could do it, any one of you could do it. And I wouldn't be opposed to talking to you. Now, here's the thing you have to remember. All of this is pre-recorded. So if you want to come in and be a dickhead, you can do that. But you'll never get on the show because I won't put it on. But I know most of the people listening to the podcast are pretty, pretty intelligent of a like mind. And we could have a good conversation. So what I would suggest, if you have an interest in being on the show, and I'm not going to keep you here for an hour, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, we can talk a little bit, or shorter for that matter if need be, uh, and you feel comfortable hooking up with Zoom, and we can just do a short conversation, you can ask your questions or make your comments, I'm open to that. I mean, I've said this from the beginning, this show is as much yours as it is mine. I'm the talking head here, but uh, a lot of information I get comes from you because there's a lot smarter people out there than me, and uh, you have some interesting insights, and I love to hear them through the emails and such. But if we were able to get somebody on the show and talk with them or talk back and forth, I'd be really open to do that. I like doing the lives on TikTok, and when I do, I always bring somebody in to talk to. It's much easier to do a show uh, when you have somebody else to bounce things off of. That's why I like doing the Ed shows. Ed comes from a different perspective, a different age group, and a different part of the country. And he can offer some things I can't, and so can all of you. So think about it. If you ever had an interest in being on the show for a short period of time, well, still keep your anonymity. But uh, I'd be happy to talk to you. And if you have an interest in that, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com, and we'll see if we can work something out. All right. The next one, and I forgot who this came from. I didn't write it down, but she'll know who it is, or he'll know who it is. Hey, Mike, I have a comment and then a question at the end. And I and just let me say, let me say this up front. I mean no disrespect. <laughs> That's when you know you got some shit coming. When the whole Chris Rock slap debacle happened, you stated multiple times, don't text me about it, don't tick, TikTok me or email me about it. I refuse to talk about any of it. I don't care. But now when you have Johnny Depp and Amber Heard on the stands, you can't get enough of it. As big a mess as it is, now I'm, now I'm not calling you a racist because I've listened to you for a while now and I believe you're anything but that. I guess what I'm asking is, was this unintentional racism or subconscious racism? Or am I looking way too hard at this? Uh, you always say the time of the old white man is coming to an end. Does that include you? Well, fuck you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Actually, I like that email a lot. It takes some thought and it gives me pause and causes me to think about it. Um, is it unintentional racism or subconscious racism? That is an excellent question. I mean, you have to consider where I came from. I lived in South Minneapolis, mostly a working class, a lot of Republican people. I grew up in the 60s and 70s when racism was accepted. I had a father who was an extreme racist. So could I have some subconscious or, uh, or, or uh, um, unintentional racism? I guess I could. You know, I guess that's possible. I think in this situation, that's not the case because these situations, these two situations are vastly different. And when you said, I can't get enough of Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, 
uh, trial. Yeah, you kind of took that out of context. <laughs> I said that on the show, but it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. I was making a joke about myself. Uh, it's not that I sit and watch it. It's it's the fact that if I scroll through TikTok, it's constantly coming into my face. I don't seek it out, but if I see something interesting, it catches my attention, and I will watch it. Let me see if I can explain the difference between the slap by Will Smith and the... Uh, the trial with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Neither of these things I would normally talk about. And while I said I didn't want to hear about the slap again, I did talk about it a couple of times against my better judgment. So I did give it some oxygen, which I shouldn't have done. But I did, because it's my show and I'll do whatever the fuck I want. But <laughs> the slap is a little different thing. The slap had nothing to do with race. It happened to be two black men that were involved in it. But it was obviously just a fucking uh, uh, a cry for attention by Will Smith. And I really felt bad for Chris Rock because I know Chris Rock had gone through many things in his life where he'd been bullied. And you could kind of see on the video after he was slapped, he felt shocked certainly but he also seemed kind of broken emotionally which is distinctly possible i thought people made way too much of it mainly because there's a lot bigger things out there the war in ukraine covid all these different things it took the attention away from those things and that's what troubled me that's why i really didn't want to talk about it it wasn't the story i mean if there was nothing else going on then I'd probably talk about it, make jokes about it, what have you. Now, the, the, Don, uh, the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard thing is a little different situation. It's kind of become part of our pop culture as people are watching this, and it's become a big deal. And I feel the same way as I do about the slap. We should not be paying attention to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It's two people that have emotional problems that are having problems getting along, and they're suing one another. It's really not a big deal in the scheme of things. We've got far bigger, more important things to do. I've talked about both of them. And both times I didn't want to talk about them, but I felt I needed to because of how much time it's taking up in our news in spite of all the other things going on. The fact that I said I wouldn't talk about the slap is because I don't think it warranted the attention and I thought it was insulting to ignore other things to talk about that. It had nothing to do with race. If it was two white guys, Brad Pitt and somebody else, it wouldn't matter. I'd feel the same way. Now, with the Amber Heard thing, uh, as I said, you said I, that I said I couldn't get enough of it. That was a joke. I can get way too much of it. I've already gotten way too much of it, and that's just on fucking TikTok. I don't go watch the whole day. I don't go to YouTube and watch extended cuts. I, I just see these little cuts, and it's it's weird. But it is more like a uh, ongoing soap opera. The thing with, with uh, um, Will Smith and Chris Rock, that was just a moment in time. It was quick. And yeah, it shook everybody because it was so outrageous, but it was just a moment. This thing is extending a lot longer. It's taking up more space. And not to say it's more important or more interesting, it's really not. It's just that there's a lot more to devour here. And it does bring up something that I think is important. We've got a woman who appears to be claiming that Johnny Depp did something, but it turns out she was abusive to him. And I think there is some concerns about that in this world, that uh, there are situations where women abuse men. Now, <laughs> now, now, hear me out about this. I have been in situations with women before, um, and I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to say it was my wife. I'm not going to say anything like that. But... A woman can bully a man, and this is where they can do that. If someone is mad at me, and they happen to be a woman I'm in a relationship with, okay, they can do pretty much anything to me, but I'm not going to do the same back. And the whole point of a bully is 
fighting with somebody or beating somebody up, whether it be verbally or physically, that can't fight back. And if I'm in a situation, and fortunately I'm not, but if I was in a situation where I had a wife that was bullying me, yelling at me, striking at me, I would feel bullied because it's not in me to strike back. I'm not going to hit her. I'm maybe not even going to argue with her because after 38 years of marriage, I know I ain't going to fucking win. So what's the point? But in that sense, it could be kind of bullying because Johnny Depp, does appear to be a uh, you know a fairly nonviolent guy at least what we hear in the trial and if she is violent and if she is narcissistic and going after this guy and he's just not willing to strike out against her because she's a woman and that's against his principles that is bullying and that is something that should be looked into bullying is a lot of things and you can you can see the standard bully like a like a Trump or like a uh, Vladimir Putin. But there are other situations. You've got um, managers in business who bully their people that work for them. You've got churches where the clergy will bully their people into giving bigger offerings or doing certain things that they think is right. There's more to bullying than slapping somebody in the face like what Will Smith did to Chris Rock. That was certainly bullying. Somebody made a point. They said, uh, yeah, he went up and slapped little skinny Chris Rock. But if it was the Rock, Will Smith wouldn't have gotten out of his seat. And that's exactly right. See, Will Smith understood if he went up there and slapped him, if Rock responded and tried to strike out back it was only going to go bad for him fortunately chris rock said oh whoa fuck it i'm stepping back he did the right thing but he was being bullied in that situation and i'll be honest as much as those stories don't mean that much in the big scheme of things in this country in this world bullying is a big thing it's something i absolutely abhor bullying and the reason why i abhor it is because when I was young, I had, I've told you this before, I, I had a narcissistic father who, uh, who was a bully, essentially. I mean, he was bigger, he was louder, he was older, and he made all the money in the house. So those things gave him a right in his mind to be a bully. So all the years I grew up, I dealt with that to a certain extent. Now, my life wasn't tragic. Don't feel sorry for me. My life was pretty good. But on those occasions I was being bullied by him, it made me angrier and angrier. And when, the, when I finally got to the point where he couldn't do that anymore, I pushed him in the corner and did to him what he did to me, knowing that because he can't react because he's a coward, that this might break him or at least get him off of me. And even when I'm out, if I'm in a, uh, when I was working in a job and I'd see a manager bully somebody, I'd always step in and say some shit. And of course, the manager would get mad at me and try to bullshit with me, but I will not be bullied anymore. So they ended up not fucking with me because it was going to be harder for them to deal with me than it was stop stopping bullying this kid. So <laughs> I don't know that I answered your question. I will say, though, that unintentional and subconscious racism is certainly possible. And if anybody could be guilty of that, it would be me. It's how I grew up. 60s, 70s, racism was accepted. The, you said the N-word? That wasn't a big deal back then. Nobody freaked out about it. As, as bad as that sounds, it's true. I had a dad that was racist. So this was all over me when I was young. I mean, as soon as I got old enough to figure this shit out, I realized racism, that's fucking stupid. That makes no goddamn sense, uh, whether they're black or Asian or Native American. And I dealt with all those folks. They were no different than me. None at all. I couldn't comprehend how I would see them as different just because of the color of their skin any more than I would see them different for different color hair, different color eyes, diff different types of clothes. People were all the same. And if they were nice to me, I was nice to them. I don't think in this situation I was being subconsciously racist because to me in this whole situation, racism, race had nothing to do with it. It has to do with the actions that we're seeing. Will Smith slaps Chris Rock. It's a story, and it's a story that's been fabricated by the people involved to make us 
pay attention. That's why I don't want to pay attention to it. The Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing, it's a little different, but it's still minute compared to all the other problems we have in this country. Now, I've spent a long time talking about this, not because I wanted to promote those two events, but I want people to understand where my mindset is. (laughs) and also know what I'm just fucking telling a joke for Christ's sake. (laughs) All right, enough said. We'll get to some other news in the next segment. So you hold on and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, let's get down to the news of the day. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi made a secret visit to Kiev, Ukraine, and became the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit the war in that war-torn country. Pelosi led the previously unannounced trip with a small group of senior House Democrats, including Foreign Affairs Committee Chair Gregory Meeks, Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff, and Rules Committee Chair Jim McGovern. Now, the group met with Ukrainian President Zelensky and other Ukrainian leaders. Before the meeting, they walked the streets and surveyed the damage that has come about because of war. It was obviously uh, pretty awe-inspiring to see the amount of damage being done in that beautiful city. Now, Nancy Pelosi said the delegation traveled to Kiev to send an unmistakable and resounding message to the entire world. America stands firmly with Ukraine. When we return to the United States, we will do so further informed deeply inspired and ready to do what is needed to help the Ukrainian people as they defend democracy for their nation and for the world. Now, this trip was an immense security risk because of current Russia attacks in and around Kiev. Uh, This visit came after a visit from National Security Advisor Anthony Blinken and uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd. They showed up there a little while before that. Now, this is a big deal. I mean, you're going to a city that has been bombed for the last, I don't know, 60 days or whatever it's been. Um, There was some concern about the U.N. Secretary General who visited Kiev. And then there was some bombing from Russia. I mean, you have the leader of the U.N. there, and Russia is still bombing in there. That's pretty problematic for Russia. And even after doing that, Nancy Pelosi and her uh, entourage went right into the thick of it. Now, this is intended to show that the U.S. has commitment to supporting the Ukrainian people. But now, Adam Kinzinger is introducing a bill that would, uh, that would have Biden put troops in Ukraine if Russia uses chemical weapons or, un, or limited nuclear weapons. That's interesting. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. But think about this. We have the Speaker of the House, third in line to the presidency, and other folks there to meet uh, President Zelensky and to show their support and show that America is behind them. It's a symbolic thing, of course. But to go to Kiev and make this contact, that says a lot to Ukraine about the Americans and how solidly behind this. I mean, you think about this. If this was going on right now, and the war was raging, and there was some bombing in Kiev, you think Donald Trump would go over there? You think Mike Pence would go over there? Do you think Mitch McConnell would fucking go over there, or Kevin McCarthy? Hell no, because they're fucking cowards. They would just sit back. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, had Donald Trump been in office, he may have just uh, tried to break up NATO, NATO and wouldn't have sent Ukraine any kind of help at all. I mean, what America is sending Ukraine is unprecedented. Uh, we've never done this for another country to this extent. And America and the rest of NATO are sending the big guns over there. And that is going to cause problems for the Russians. 
So it's good to see the Democrats step up and actually take a risk and actually do something to show support. Granted, it was mostly symbolic, but it was an important gesture, if you will. Now let's talk about an idiot. (laughs) Mike Lindell was banned by Twitter for lying and putting out incendiary information. He's been off Twitter for a while. So just the other day, he somehow figured out a way to get another Twitter account. Now, he's so stupid, he doesn't try to fly under the radar. He's yakking about it, getting all cocky about it. But within minutes, he was banned again. Now, here's what I think happened. He's been hearing all this talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter. Now, he figures Elon Musk is on our side. He loves us goofy fucks. I will jump on and my boy, our boy, Elon, will let me stay. He said as much after the fact. Here's what he doesn't get. Elon has offered to buy Twitter. The board has accepted it, but the deal is not done quite yet. Elon is not in control of Twitter as yet. So he jumps on thinking Elon's going to save him, but he doesn't apparently know that Elon isn't in fucking control anymore. And the fact of the matter is Elon may be having a problem um, with this whole thing because as soon as he made this move, the bottom fell out in the stock market with uh, Tesla. It just dropped. So all of a sudden, his financial condition is different, and it may have an impact on whether he's able to buy Twitter. I'm still not convinced that this thing is going to go through, but even if it does, somebody like Elon, he's so so erratic, he's going to go in there and try to make some quick money, and then he's going to dump it again and sell it to somebody else. I just have that feeling about him, if he pulls it off at all. Now, Mike Lindell is a stupid is so stupid. I almost feel a little sorry for him, you know? His family needs to institutionalize this crazy fuck and try to save the company. I mean, there's a lot of money in that company. It's been fairly successful. Mike Lindell's going to run it into the ground. Everybody will be broke. People will be out of jobs. Somebody's got to stop this stupid fuck. I mean, the guy is almost melting down every time you see him. He's so upset. Somebody has the audacity to ask him questions. Well, he just doesn't like it, especially if it's ones he can't answer or they don't side with him and his beliefs. Well, it's impossible to side with him in his beliefs because he's a stupid motherfucker. The thing is, all he does is lie, talk bullshit, make promises he can't keep. But I'm really starting to believe that he thinks, he believes all of this shit, that it's all true. As crazy as it sounds, as much as it's been debunked, he actually believes it. I literally hate this dipshit, but I have to wonder if he needs some help. I mean, he must need some help. Nobody acts like this on purpose. It's just, it makes no fucking sense. I don't know. We'll see what happens with uh, Mike Lindell. I don't see him getting back on Twitter. And frankly, as I said before, Twitter may not be Twitter once Elon Musk takes it over. And we may see a lot of people in a mass exodus from Twitter if it changes dramatically. I mean, why would you want to change it? It's one of the most successful platforms out there. It's making a lot of money. So you come in and say, yeah, that's good, but I'm going to change it to make make it better so I can just promote my ideology that anybody should be able to say fucking anything. That's not going to work for them. People are going to get uncomfortable. I mean, you take a look at True Social, and you got all these crazy Trumplefucks on there. Nobody with any common sense wants to join it because it doesn't seem like a, a good place. I mean, it's kind of a dark place. And that's what Elon Musk could ultimately do with, um, with the uh, Twitter app. It could end up becoming a much darker place, much more like True Social, and then nobody will want to go there anymore. 
I mean, that's the wonderful thing about this world. We have the power. If we don't buy their shit or don't use their shit, then their shit ain't worth shit. (laughs) You can quote me on that. All right, next up. Well, I think it's a dead heat in the race on who's the dumbest governor in the country between Ron DeSantis of Florida and Greg Abbott of Texas. You got to hear this. We know that against all logic, Ron DeSantis went after Disney. Not a good decision. Disney kicks his ass and DeSantis looks like a fool. But he's still doubling down. He won't admit he lost, and he did. There's just no way that's going to happen. Legally, he probably can't take the uh, special tax district away from him. And if he does, he's going to have to pay a billion dollars in taxpayer money, and then he's going to have to worry about the taxpayers getting an increase of 25%. It's not going to happen. As much as he says it's going to happen, what's going to happen, it's going to go on the back burner until hopefully... In his mind, everybody forgets about it, and then it will never occur. This will just be a song and dance like every other Republicans to try to make them look tough. And they don't look tough. They look fucking stupid. But Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, may just have DeSantis beat. Now, you'll remember when Abbott fucked up with uh, his new border inspection criteria. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a mess. I mean, they had backups forever. It cost Texas businesses and citizens tens of millions of dollars just because he was trying to show how tough he was. And he didn't have enough foresight or common sense to realize this could go bad for me. He ended up having to walk it back looking like an idiot. And, of course, he probably claimed to win on that fucking thing. But he failed immensely. And he cost the citizens of Texas and the businesses of Texas a lot of fucking money. But that's not where it stops. The Mexican government had plans to build a a trade railway connection that was literally worth billions of dollars. And it was going to come through Texas. So this would be a boon to Texas for trade and money and all those sorts of things. But then the the Mexican economy minister said a planned rail and port expansion known as TMEC corridor to connect the Pacific port city of Mazatlan to uh, the Canadian city of Winnipeg will now not use Texas to go through. Instead, they're going to go a little farther east, and what they're going to do is go through New Mexico. And the reason they're doing that, they said they didn't feel comfortable going through Texas after Abbott used trade as a political tool, which is exactly what he did. So Mexico's looking at this. They've got a big trade railway going through. Texas would make a lot of money, billions of dollars. But now Mexicans getting nervous because they don't feel like they can trust Abbott. Is Abbott going to do something because of uh, the border problem that they perceive in their minds? Are they going to do something to stop up or slow down that railway coming from Mexico to Canada? Well, I don't know. And that's the problem. Mexico doesn't know. So instead of taking that risk, they said, you know what? We're going to bypass Texas. We're going to go through New Mexico, which happens to be a blue state, which seems to make more sense. Now, had Greg Abbott not done this stupid stunt down on the border, costing his people millions of dollars, he would have gotten this railway. But now they're thinking better of it. And it's probably a wise move for them because... uh, It's pretty ridiculous what he did down there just to try to gain votes or gain favor or make himself look like a tough guy. Mexico has decided we can't afford a crazy fuck affecting our railway, so we're just going to avoid him. So the people of Texas, you could have had a lot of money. You could have had an important um, trade corridor, a rail trade corridor, but your boy... Greg Abbott fucked it up for you. He fucked it up for you. That's just the way it is. Now, if uh, Beto O'Rourke gets in there, maybe they can change that. But 
probably too late for that. I mean, all Greg Abbott does is cost the people of Texas tons of money, even more money than uh, Ron DeSantis, because Ron DeSantis' deal probably isn't going to go through, but Greg Abbott already lost this deal because he's a fucking idiot. All right, let's talk about Russia a little bit and Ukraine. Russia made little headway when it invaded Ukraine. Remember, they thought they'd come in there three days, they'd take over the whole country, it'd be easy as pie. Now, they essentially destroyed a lot and killed a lot of innocent people, but they weren't able to take Kiev or any other major city. So they weren't able to take over the country. So then they started to focus on the Donbass region in the east and the south of Ukraine. They figured if they took it down to a smaller bite, that they'd have a better chance of taking something, which would be better than nothing, and then Vladimir Putin could claim some victory. It's all about perception. It's all about optics. He needs to come out of this with a win, and he thought, well, if he focuses on a smaller area, it would be easier for him to win. But like when he was going after the rest of the country, Ukraine unexpectedly fought hard and was and has held off Russia pretty well. They've done an amazing job. I mean, let's be honest, Russia has destroyed Ukraine and a lot of the cities, but they have never been able to take over the country because Ukraine is fighting as hard as they are. Apparently, things now for Russia in the Donbass region are moving a lot slower than they planned, and this is making them nervous. The sanctions are taking a foothold on Russian citizens. They're starting to feel the crush. Apparently, Putin has a deadline of sorts in mind. It's May 9th. Putin's big on symbolism, and that was the date apparently they won in Poland in World War II. So in his mind, it'd be really cool if we ended this war on May 9th, too, just like we did in Poland before I was fucking born. So he's got that in his mind. The question is, that's only a week away. May 9th is only a week away, and they're not doing too good in Ukraine or in the Donbass region, for that matter. So what happens? Does he then push the goalposts back farther? And make some excuse why it wasn't May 9th or just ignores May 9th? Does he do that? Or does he do something stupid and use chemical weapons or limited nukes? Now, if he does that, everything changes, not only in Ukraine, but throughout the world. There's a good chance NATO countries would come in and then all bets are off. We're at risk for World War III, nuclear war, and all that kind of stuff. And it goes back to what I was saying about Adam Kinzinger's bill that he put up. In the bill, it has a lot of things in it. But one of the things it says in the bill is that if Russia uses chemical weapons or limited nuclear weapons in Ukraine, then the United States can and will go into Ukraine and fight side by side with the Ukrainians, which would spell trouble for Russia. Now, if America does it, conceivably all the other NATO nations would come in and they would wipe fucking Russia's ass off the floor because there's just too many of them. They don't have a chance. The only question is, does then Russia decide that they're going to go to the nuclear option, which is crazy because nobody survives the nuclear option. Vladimir Putin's in a tough spot right now. He's been in a tough spot on the fourth day of this war that's now 60, 70 days long. He thought he was going to go in there and win big, quick, and that didn't happen. Not only did not not happen quickly, he's not even fucking winning. So he's in trouble. He then focuses on Doom Boss, figuring I'll just take this small area of land and uh, win that easily and uh, claim victory. But he fucked up again. It's still not working. It's going slower than he thought, and he's not having much luck. So this is going to be kind of a pivotal point. What is Vladimir Putin going to do with this? He needs to come out of this with a win, but he's not winning anywhere he goes. I mean, he could lie about it, but uh, and maybe that's what he'll do ultimately. But the fact of the matter is, he can't notch a win here. He's losing every way... Uh, he comes at it. So we'll see. Does he 
push the goalposts back for May 9th, or does he get crazy? I'm hoping for the uh, the previous one that he uh, pushes the goalposts back and doesn't do something crazy because that changes the whole perspective of Ukraine and the war and the world for that matter. Okay, last thing we're going to talk about, Donald Trump, that dumb fuck. We got a lot of dumb fucks in the Republican Party, don't we? They don't even realize they're dumb. That's the frightening thing about it. Well, Trump was at a Nebraska rally, and while he was there, he was talking, and uh, he started talking about the primaries in Ohio. And for some reason, he could not recall the name of the controversial Ohio Republican candidate he endorsed for Senate. He wanted to talk about the person he endorsed in Ohio while he's in Nebraska. Why, I don't know. But he does. And he said, uh, and he's looking off stage at somebody. He's looking for some help because he can't come up with the name off the top of his head. And he says, uh, yeah, we, we endorsed JP, right? <laughs> As he was looking at someone off stage. Clearly, he was confused. Then he said, oh, yeah, that's right. It's J.D. Mandel, and he's doing great. Now, what he meant to say is J.D. Vance. That's who he endorsed. Um, he's running against Josh Mandel, who was expecting to be endorsed by Trump, but was left at the altar when apparently Trump's people thought J.D. Vance was a better poll because J.D. Vance has had some success as a writer. Just to give you an idea who J.D. Vance is, he's an author. He wrote the Hillbilly Elegy, uh, and uh, it was a book, and it was a TV show on Netflix or Hulu or something. And uh, it wasn't a bad, bad movie. It wasn't a great movie, but this guy has zero political experience. Now, last week he said Biden was trying to, this is what J.D. Vance said. This is the guy running for the Senate in Ohio, the Republican. He said Biden was trying to kill MAGA voters with fentanyl. And we know that drug is supposed to kill people and it's very dangerous. He said he was allowing drug traffickers across the border to sell the drugs to the right-wing Republican voters. It's always about the border, isn't it? The border's no worse than it was under Donald Trump. The border is not something we're going to fix. We can try to control it. We can try to manage it, but we aren't going to fix it. No president has had any luck doing that, and it's just not going to happen. But apparently, he believes Joe Biden is allowing the drug traffickers across the border specifically to kill right-wing Republican voters. So let me see if I got this straight. Only Republicans buy drugs and Democrats don't? Really, bitch? Uh, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. It's a ridiculous statement by a guy who is a ridiculous candidate. On the other point, J.D. Vance accepted Trump's endorsement last month. But what he failed to tell people was that in previous writings, he's an author, he called Donald Trump America's Hitler and an idiot. He said that a short time before he accepted the endorsement. So we see who he is and what he is. He's all about getting votes. And if Donald Trump, if he can hop on that fucking train and get votes, that's what he'll do. He doesn't know anything about politics. He's an okay writer. And he wants to be the senator from Ohio. And uh, it's frustrating seeing this. But as I've said before, it's probably a good thing. The crazier the candidate for the Republican Party, the better. Because they're going to have a tougher time winning against a normal Democratic candidate. It's If they were bringing up normal Republican candidates, it would make it tougher for the Democrats. But these crazy fucks, nobody's going to vote for them because they're going to be called out, exposed, and all kinds of shit between now and November. (laughs) So who did Donald Trump endorse in Ohio? Well, we don't know. Officially, it came out as J.D. Vance. And then he thought it was J.P. And then he said, oh, yeah, it's J.D. Mandel which is fucked up because it's J.D. Vance, but even more fucked up because J.D. Vance's opponent is Josh Mandel. 
And they have the audacity to suggest uh, that Joe Biden's cognitive ability is diminished. Clearly, it's Donald Trump who is having problems keeping his thoughts straight. If you watched any of the uh, takes from the uh, from the uh, correspondence dinner where Joe Biden went up there and kind of roasted the Republicans and Fox News and all that stuff. I mean, he, he isn't the greatest joke teller, but they were kind of funny, but they were written for him. But he didn't seem to slip up. He seemed very cognizant of what he was saying, how he was saying, and what he meant when he was saying it. Yet Donald Trump comes up in Nebraska at his own rally where he's got no limitations, and he can't even get the guy he endorsed straight. That's fucked up. Donald Trump has got some mental issues, and that may be one of the things that hold him back from 2024. Now, there may be a number of reasons why he can't run for president. As I've said before, I don't expect to see him run at all. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day and uh, spending it listening to me with the Rational Boomer podcast. As I stated in the first part of the podcast, uh, uh, the first part of the podcast, I, you know, I do the shows with Ed, and that's fun. And I figured out a way to connect him up so we can talk. He's in Tennessee. I'm in Minnesota. So since I know that now, know I know how to do that, I'm not opposed to opening up the door to talk to some of the listeners. I've always said that I wanted to do that, and uh, I'd be happy to do it. I mean, my background in radio, I spent a lot of time doing talk radio as a producer and as an on-air person. I'm familiar with it. I always love talk radio, to be perfectly honest with you. We can't do it in this situation like a traditional talk radio thing because, well, it's recorded ahead of time. It's on the Internet. It would be very complex. But if from time to time I got some listeners who wanted to come in and talk about something, I'm all for it. It does two things. It adds some difference to the show. And frankly, it makes it my life easier. <laughs> when I get people sending me questions and comments via email or voicemail, it, it, it allows me to use some of the time I have to directly answer listeners and not have to compile a bunch of stuff for a whole show like I did today. Well, I didn't do it today because I had the emails, but you know what I mean. The more you get involved, the easier my life is. And let's be honest, when it comes down to it, What's more important than making my life easier? (laughs) JK. All right, let's wrap it up. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.